You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. Go ahead, stand up, stand up, stand up. Welcome to another episode of ADD Space. I'm your host, Aaron Renfreeman, and with me, the actual host of the program, the CEO, CFO, lead developer, head designer, lead therapist, social media maven, travels are at least Bacon Bacon, how are you? Hello, I'm here, kind of. My brain's kind of here, but I'm here. My, I'm physically present. Your brain's here. Your brain is spectacular, even in even even while it's short circuiting. So thank you for your time. I feel like we don't Peak say that enough. Short circuit day. I appreciate your presence, especially on days where you ain't got that fastball. We will make it work. We got you. Hell yeah, make it work. All right, and with me, also, freest man on Unreasonable Radio, Justin Jones, sir. How are you? I am free. I am free. I am free. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. <laughs> that was amazing, Justin. Spoiler alert. We 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 still aren't free. Oh no. I mean we're like overlords are, are they're putting up a valiant effort. Um, we're like two thirds free. We're like a free. We're like we're three, like f- we're three fifths free. We're like free flavored Lacroix. We have like a hint of freedom, in otherwise a can of seltzer water. <laughs> like I, we can taste Is it. That- like if we like on a hot like on a warm day on a hot day and you have a can of freedom flavored Lacroix, you're like this does taste a little bit like freedom. It does. It's good. It's okay. Does that wait? Are we calling? Are are we saying that Lacroix drinkers are actually fans of oppression? <gasps> no. <laughs> no. But oppression does taste like Lacroix. <gasps> no. <laughs> my joke was stolen from me. Listen to me, everyone. My joke was stolen <laughs> from me by force. It was not my joke. It's like Superman shows up with the brainwashing. That is not Clark. God damn it. It's not him. Are are you sure? I mean, because I mean, if I mean, is it is it a sad drink? Yes. Does it seem like there's a lot of imagination being used by the drinkers of Lacroix? Yes. But imagination is a good thing and a strong skill to develop. So if you can practice while having a beverage, then that's two wins right there. Am I right? I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what imagination are we talking about here. It's, you know, like when your kid hands you a stick drawing and they go, oh, this is a ninja under the sun drinking beer with a buffalo. And it's just squiggles. But you can see it if you squint and you turn it just right because you believe in your child. And that's you working your imagination alongside your child building theirs. Oh, okay. Yes. So LaCroix. Thank you for it. Yes, LaCroix is the um, child's crayon drawing of beverages okay we does have, that mean that mm-hmm. does that mean that some flavors are better than other flavors um lacroix um that's a strong statement you made um you made a strong statement the, it, the consistency of the brand is of value 
and deeply appreciated to have a continuous string of 6 out of 10 drinks if several dozen flavors of 6 out of 10 that all come out 6 out of 10 is a skill and an achievement. And we here at Unreasonable Fridays deeply appreciate that. There's so many jokes that unfurl. This is the problem with making fun of LaCroix in particular, was that jokes just unfurl. It's like a ball of yarn. And you can always figure out a way to continue making fun of it. And um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give us a hard stop right here. We do have a program. We have a program about things. Um, but before we start, is there anything? Uh, is Justin still here? Uh, I think he had a father moment. Ah, uh, yes, fatherhood. Um, well, I mean, I mean, this 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 could be a moment to um to uh express that um uh, uh destiny has as fishing in it in um i'm not coming back to destiny but i appreciate destiny's effort to try and get me to come back my favorite bit about destiny players is they will always complain because they're conditioned to complain um is now the complaint is that the types of fish you can catch um they don't defer per planet um so, oh so people they should be different per planet um, I'm not going to um, complain about Bungie's fishing meta as they've just debuted it now. I'm going to give them some grace, given as I have never performed. I have the most peaceful thing you can do in Destiny is something called the tire game on the moon, where you roll a tire downhill and hope to get it in a ditch. One of three ditches. Each dish has a different point value. That is the most peaceful thing you can do in the game. Otherwise, you are riding your motorcycle, shooting it. What? I thought you could still kick ball or play volleyball. And you can kick ball the ball. Is. You can kick the ball in the tower, but that's not that's yeah. not, that's not like peaceful in the game world. That's just the social area has stuff you can physics objects you can roll oh, around. True, true. Right, and you're when you're actually playing Destiny, there is no part of the game where you can do something really peaceful. So I'm like, all right, now you get you getting people around. We're in the fishing hole, and um. It's a joy, and I appreciate it because I appreciate all fishing games now off the strength of bacon and only bacon. Every game where I could, I had blown off fishing games for years of my life. I was like, eh, I don't need to fish. I'd fish it when I'm required. Now, every time I can fish, I fish, and it's just you. It is no combination of any, any um, reasons, any inspiration, but you. How's it? Fishing's important. I fish because you, you because of you. Um, fishing is important. If like I needed, I need to know if there's fishing. Um, it fascinates me because it's like that is the biggest like there. Are, um, so my gaming habits, like if you were to ever wonder why do I why my indie game addiction also came from you. Um, I remember when we first met, you were like, have more fun while playing games. That was your platform. And me listening to you. my platform. Right. And me listening to you took that to heart. And then I started expanding. And then I was like, I think I like a shit ton of fucking games. Then I wound up resulting in me buying a shit ton of fucking games. No regrets. Important. No regrets. But also when I fish, I think 
I wonder I, I I fish and it's like your it's like the faded image of your head is in the background smiling down whenever <laughs> I'm fishing in any game. So it I mean fishing is an important part of gaming. It's probably like my favorite. If there's a cat or if there's fishing, there's like those are like the two things important pieces of information I need to know about a game. And if there is fishing in the game, I need to know like how 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 the fishing is. Like there's some games where like there's fishing and it's just like it's just not it's just not very good. Like I love Potion Permit, that fucking weird ass game that Potion Permit is. It's oh, such mean, a weird game. Game where you do things where you do be in the drug dealer. Yeah, please continue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where where we're where we're dealing. Yeah. Um, but like it's such a fucking weird ass game. And I'm fine with it being a weird ass game, but like um it's got the worst fishing. Like there's only like two fishes that like <laughs> no matter what fish that you catch, it only turns into two things. It's like what? Cra- it's like crab meat or fish meat? No, it's white meat or pink meat. Like why? 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 I have questions. Why is it so bad? I wanna I wanna have a fishing episode because your ability to critique games fishing mini games is second to none. And I just wanna get like a top five fishing game games and your maybe three worst fishing game experiences. And if you I don't expect uh, don't do it what? Can you do this right now? No, no, no. I can just say that potion permit's pretty up there. Okay. Like, not good. All right. All right, I will keep that. Okay. It's definitely it's definitely up there in the not good though. I was just like, oh wow, this is this is just here. But like I still need it. Like I still can't like not fish because like I need it for like other things of value. But like Jesus, it is not good. Uh, so uh, one last question. Have you, I'll make this list. I I, I will hold you yeah. to this. One last question. Have you ever played how many games have you played that have used fishing to do world building? Like, we oh, also, that's so loaded. All right. Well, I'm saying this too. There's one that game, the dredge, where it's like, um, it's like a, um, a horror game and a fishing game, and you are continuously fishing while um, pulling up, finding only the worst mutants and the worst monstrosities, and um, learning more about the dark history of the fishing town while continuing to fish. And um, that one's good. And also that game Unsighted. I don't know if I remember that game about the um from the um, Brazilian. I believe the Brazilian uh, Brazilian game Unsighted, where you fish, but you only fish for garbage because no one had been alive for fish to be alive. So you fished, and everyone was fishing for garbage, and like they were fishing like fishing in the Milwaukee River. <gasps> well, you're from there. I can't talk that. That's that's local knowledge. Mm. I mean, it, it's gotten better, but no, it's not by much. Mm. All right. Also, another game that uses fishing for world building, but you don't notice it unless you actually do the fishing. What? Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. If you actually fish in Fire Emblem Three Houses and read the little lore drops you get from each fish you catch, you learn more about the world through the cuisine. And it's a nice, it's a, it's a neat little thing Fire Emblem Three Houses does in building its world. Like, yes, you're experiencing it through these kids, but you're also experiencing it through all the other menial tasks you're doing 
around to sort of build up everyone's social links. You're also learning more about their cultures, what they value, what they don't value. Um, so it's a pretty clever way to world build using that. All right. Um, well, since you're back and you have a hard stop, we will respect the time and let you. Well, where are we going? Where are we going first, Justin? Point us in a direction. What do we got? Oh, let's talk about uh, these execs that can't get out of their own way. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> let's go. We're going in hard and fast. Let's do it. So, in our Discord, someone shared. I believe it was it was either Jeff or Bap shared an article about redfall's development and how a lot of people were excited for redfall and how it just didn't deliver and it turns out it didn't deliver because shock the people that don't make games tried to tell the people that make games what makes a good game and they failed spectacularly and then proceeded to blame the people that make the games for doing exactly what they were told to do yeah birthday birthday yeah um a thing that never happens at any point in time in any realm in any world anywhere uh, from my understanding um they were um the idea was to take something like prey an immersive sim but a commercial failure air quotes my fingers are doing the thing and um make it a multiplayer game that can be used um to dredge up money via microtransactions Yes. And uh, the developers were um, um, like, it's not a thing you can do online, y'all. And they were like, make it happen. And um, yeah. And, and they kept telling them, hey, this is a bad idea. It's not going to be a thing. And, and uh, yeah. What was it? Apparently, by the time the game came out, 70% of the staff had left of their own volition. Um, yep. well, that, so that's, that's the other part. You, you keep, as a company, if you keep mistreating your staff and not listening to your staff is mistreating them because they're offering you their ideas and their expertise and you're telling them that you know better than them they're going to say okay cool i don't have to deal with this i can work elsewhere yep also apparently um what is it uh zenimax the overarching company that owned them or still owns them owned them it's paying everyone quite um was paying everyone um too little to replace people they were not competitive so they could not replace the people who were leaving. So there were less and less people to make something um, uh, that was increasingly difficult and apparently had the um, old Anthem Classic um, poor communication from directors and team creative leads. So everything that... It looked like a game. Have you ever have you tried Redfall? Has anyone here tried Redfall? I have not just because... Nothing about it looked interesting to me, so oh. I just said I'm not gonna touch this. Oh no, it's um. So I played it because one, I got Google Fiber in the neighborhood, so I'm like flexing. So I'm like, what can I download? And I oh fair right. So I'm like, I tried it. It is immediately a game that seemed like it failed on every level, and to read this report where it did in fact fail on every level is a shame. Um, it. Sorry, I'm just taking it back because it's one of those. Most games aren't bad. We talk like games are bad. We're we're driven to such anxiety and neuroses because most games have best standard practices now, so most games are okay. 
to the point where we don't know we don't know what games to buy because there aren't like when we were younger there were games that were bad there were games that were doing things that were funky we didn't agree with that made no sense and therefore became unplayable most games are fine just personal preference so a, a game right. that is bad is a legitimate achievement which is why i asked if anyone's played it because redfall is an achievement in being poor it's an actual honest to god bad game graphics control world building music cues cinematics everything and it seemed like it took an entire collapse of the creative develop the development structure infrastructure to do it and uh apparently so everything uh, poor communication from the team leads strange directives from executives <laughs> mass exodus of the talent <sighs> Yeah, it from also like what you were saying about the pay, it sounds like they were kind of notoriously underpaying. Yes. Like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just like, oh, they were underpaying. Like it was it's well known throughout industry that they lowball their their employees. Mm -hmm. So yeah, nobody's gonna nobody's can't replace people. Work for them. Yeah. And then there's the um the executive belief that um certain genres um, will sell well. Um, certain like, certain genres are just outliers when they sell well. Immersive sim survival horror games when they sell millions of copies. Like the only people that can sell a million copies of a survival horror game are Capcom. Just Capcom. And um, right, and that's off of sorry off the strength of Resident Evil. Were you gonna say right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. Yeah. Same thing say. with same thing with immersive sims. Dishonored did extremely extremely well for an immersive sim. That's not normal. So you should not bank your financial future on selling three million copies of an immersive sim. So I was reading it and it said that Prey was a commercial failure. The um, I think it was like 2018. Um, yeah, the game called Prey that had nothing to do with the other game where you're playing as the native, the First Nation person. With the space powers. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I'm always confused as to the when the executives consider they, they go barking that's the thing that always gets me, is they go barking up that tree. Like we're gonna make something like Dishonored and it's gonna sell millions of copies. Yeah, absolutely won't. We're gonna make a survival horror game and it's gonna sell me it will not. It won't. It won't. Yeah, I I always wonder about that too. And I'm like, what's actually considered like a commercial success? Like, I know people are looking at like top dollars compared to like what I guess maybe their best selling games are or what other best selling games are. But like, I've always tried, I don't, I don't know what the metrics are for this. Um, I read somewhere. Yeah. I go on, just please. It seems like. What these companies are trying to do is instead of making games, they're making commercial products. And what I mean by that is when you tell someone, I want a game like Dishonored, I want a game like Resident Evil, I want a game like Street Fighter, you're not making a game, you're making a commercial product trying to make money. If you want to make a game, if you make a good game, chances are you are going to make money. Just like if you want, if you make a good movie, chances are you're going to make money. If you make a good, if you make a good something, you tell a good story, you're going to make money. You're going to be a commercial success. 
Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a great example of that. That is a Spider-Man movie unlike any Spider-Man movie that has ever been made. They told a good story. They told a tried-and-true Spider-Man story with new characters, new pieces, and a corporation normally doesn't take that chance. You can tell by how Sony advertised Into the Spider-Verse. They didn't think it was going to be good. They just did it so they could say, hey, look, Black Spider-Man, and then it's like, oh, turns out this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. By accident. On complete accident. Especially, I mean, and if you look at, like, the history of Spider-Man movies, like, even animated, it's not good. So, they they did that. It's like, oh, cool, we have this thing that is successful. Now everyone's going to try to do that thing. Look at what DC is doing. Warner Brothers DC looked at what Sony and Marvel did with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and said, that's what we need. And we're going to use Ezra Miller to do it. And good luck. Good luck. But apparently, I, that, apparently that movie's so good, it's making everybody forget that Ezra Miller's a serial criminal. I, I, yeah, so. I have to pass. You know, as a DC fan, do you understand the? Do you understand how? How? It's so. It's just ironic that as a DC fan who's been wanting a DC movie to be unequivocally good for years now. That the one that seems like it's good, and if nothing else, it seems like it would be entertaining because Michael Keaton is the best Batman, and the fact that they're letting him be short, but fucking the best Batman, everything looks like it's going to be enjoyable, even if it's a 7 out of 10 movie, and it's a hard pass, because Ezra Miller was a whole-ass menace. I remember at one point they were saying that he was just going up and down the coastline with guns in his car, with guns in their car, and... They were kidnapping children. Right. Literally kidnapping children. They assaulted a woman on camera. Right. So. They they are. Ezra Miller is everything that people think John Morant is. Yes. Yo. Yes. Yes. But hey, again, Warner Brothers wants a product. They don't want they don't want to tell good stories. They want to make money. And I get it, corporations, capitalism, you're in this to make the money. If they would just realize if you tell good stories, you'll make the money. It's yeah. like all all those movies in the 80s where the moral of the story is greed is bad. And if you stay true to yourself, you'll end up getting the thing you want anyways. It's like an entire generation looked at Wall Street and saw Gordon Gecko as a how-to manual instead of a cautionary tale. <laughs> Like an entire generation looked at Psycho and said, yes, because I, I completely forget what Christian Bale's character's name is in Psycho. Uh, American, uh, American Psycho? Psycho. Oh, American yes. Psycho. I completely forget what his character's name is in American Psycho. They looked at Christian Bale and said, this is an aspirational character, not a warning label. Oh, he, oh my God, they did. He was Patrick Bateman. They took every, they took every wrong lesson from Patrick Bateman and Gordon Gecko. And said, "This is what we were going to model our our ethos after," and now they're wondering why you have Redfall. So, because if you had let that team tell the story they wanted to tell with a game like Redfall and just do what they wanted to do, it probably wouldn't have been the colossal failure that it ended up being. Yes, um, I would have played a single player immersive sim about um for teenagers with superpowers freeing a town from um vampire um vampire uh, amazon i would have played that game w- and that doesn't have to be a triple a game 
It doesn't. Nope. Uh, immersive sims are immersive sims are not triple um, A games because because of the type of game they are. You don't expect to sell, so there's no reason to put the triple A money. Like usually, the triple A machine isn't behind them because most people understand you're not going to sell a shit ton of copies of an immersive sim. You won't. Right. The Uncharted is a triple A game. Yes. Right. Um, do I want to call Ratchet and the new Ratchet and Clank triple oh, yeah, A game? Hundred percent, hundred percent a triple A game. Yeah, the, the new Ratchet like Spider Man Two that is coming out. A triple A game. Triple A game. Triple A game. This is Sony's new business model. Sony's new business model is we're going to crank out triple A games to play on our triple A game machine, and you're going to buy our triple A game machine to play our triple A games. Um, that is. That is their business model. Bro, they are they are relying so heavily on it and it's working. <laughs> I I honestly didn't see it working, but hey, it, good for them. It, it I, I don't know what it is, but it's like we have I mean I, this is an aside. Um I don't want I'm not going to do right. you're talking about something. This is a totally different topic that I will return to, but please continue. Just no, no, no. Go, go, go. Veer off into this topic because uh, if you go where I think you're going, I can bring it back to this overarching discussion. Okay, so um, AAA development has been heavily affected by COVID. Pandemic has yeah. knocked the entire tower of AAA development over, except at Sony because I don't know what they do. I think they, I don't know, I don't know how they manage to keep getting these um these absolute pristine AAA games. But everyone else that makes AAA games struggles is struggling, um, and I and we're so hung up on it. That I feel like we're missing, like, this is the greatest run of, like, indie games and AA games in gaming history. Like, real talk, the greatest games of all time are, like, coming out for, like, 20 bucks on Game Pass, 14 bucks, twenty five ninety nine, And we're so hung up on um, AAA development stumbling because of the pandemic and general greed, really, trying to get more for less to such an extreme that we're missing a lot of games. And it's like Sony is aggressively relying on the on on that, and it's working. Um, one thing I've noticed is I'm, I'm on game. I, I'm on I'm on Xbox, and I look every time they bring out a Game Pass game, it gets review bombed. Now it gets three out of five. It's always three out of five because there's a third of the reviews that are just screeching about indie games and wanting a AAA game, and saying that some of these games are really really these ga- some of these Game Pass games are absolutely fucking superb. And it seems as though we're now like I'm wondering whether we're we're so worked up that we're missing it. Like the backbone of gaming has always been double A development and indie development, but like we are in an incredible string of some of the best games we've ever seen, and none of them are triple A, and that's bothering the shit out of people, and they are reacting poorly. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny to see Sony's plan kind of working people just want triple a game they just want to be told to play their five games a year and all the other 35 ones that are ten dollars that are extremely good are diminishing value and it's yeah the the sony's business model of we're going to crank out these triple a games and sustain ourselves on these triple a games and this hype other companies are looking at that saying i want to chase that sony dollar and like you said they're missing this great run of indie games you don't have to glut yourself on AAA dollar. You can sustain yourself by publishing these indie games that are looking for a publisher. Yeah, you can do that. You don't. 
to bring this to another corporate greed discussion, you don't have to build your own Netflix. You are going to bankrupt yourself if you build your own Netflix. Netflix exists for a reason. It has the infrastructure in place. In the long run, you are going to make more money if you license out your material to a Netflix to publish. Let them handle distribution. You just create the content and they cut you a check for effectively hosting your stuff. That's where the long money is. Building your own streaming platform and sustaining it is way more expensive and there is no way you can keep up the cost of doing that. Literally. Even if, sorry, continue. No, like even if you're a Disney who has been successful so far, even they're starting to realize the cost of creating all of this content to keep people on our streaming platform is not worth the profit we are making from the streaming platform. I was about to say, Disney specifically could do it if they go for the long haul, but right now they're pulling stuff off. The, I, they think that they're pulling stuff off specifically because of the writer strikes to keep from playing re, paying residuals. That's part of it. They were going to pull that stuff anyways because this is not a sustainable business model. Mm-hmm. Again, even if you do everything right the way Disney has done, it's very expensive. Uh, like you, you have to, you have to be in it. The only way it's going to be profitable is if you're ready to lose money for an extended period of time before it becomes a profitable service, which is what Netflix did. We are we are in the um, spot where, and every, Netflix isn't. To be clear, every and Netflix stream, is still struggling with profitability. Every streaming service is doing it right. We are in also a kind of a golden age of just regular TV shows to watch. Every streaming platform you can put on has something entertaining to watch. With the possible argument that Tubi, if you don't like crappy movies, but it has the best crappy movies you could possibly oh, no, Tubi, want. Tubi is amazing. Right. Tubi is amazing. Right. That's what I mean. So even the crappy streaming movie network streaming thing has the best streaming crappy movies to stream. That's where we're at. And if no one can make any money. And still nobody can make any money off this shit. Still. HBO put out three great shows on max uh winning time we run this city and succession oh we run this city thank you for reminding me i'm gonna write that down go on please oh we we run this so i've talked about it briefly on here i'll talk about it again because i love we run the city it's it, it is one of the greatest shows i've ever seen um it I'm is the true story of the gun trace task force in baltimore maryland and how they effectively ran a protection racket in Baltimore against the citizens of Baltimore and the Baltimore drug trade. So they're effectively extorting the citizenry and the criminals to fund their own, um, basically to pay themselves. It is a completely wild story. And living here when it happened, like just reading about it in my local paper, I'm like, yo, why is it this a national story? This is what. This happened in, I want to say this happened two years after Freddie Gray died. Freddie Gray was murdered. Um, because Stephanie no. was still the mayor. So it had to be a year or two. Within a, It had to be within two years because Mosby was still attorney general. Uh, Stephanie Rollins-Blake was still the mayor. Um, but yeah, so it, 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 was, it was during one of those many national reckonings on police violence that we have, that we tend to have, right? And I'm like, this is a story of like embedded police corruption 
where the feds actually got involved and arrested a lot of people and sent a lot of people to jail and like nationally it didn't even register Hmm. like the city that murdered Freddie Gray that had those riots had this happened nobody cared well I want to say nobody cared because like people cared obviously Um, there was a book written about it it was a number one bestseller David Simon turned it into a show the name David Simon rings a bell he did The Wire and if this sounds like The Wire, you can call this the spiritual successor to The Wire if you want. I'm not going to because The Wire, while based in reality and like the reality of American institutionalism and how American institutions are crumbling and failing and how they fail the citizenry at every level, We Run the City is a tale about a specific incident of institutional failure. So that's why I'm, you can compare the two because the lesson is the same in both, but one is like an actual true story with real people and the other one is just take like like jay landsman is a real person from the wire um i think one of the reporters from the sun is a real person not scott um not scott or gus but one of the other minor characters is a real person Mm -hmm. um but yeah no we run the city it's great so you're like you have all you have all this great television being made but because it's locked behind a streaming service people can't get to it me i'm people i want to see it yeah and Again, it was Warner Brothers chasing that Disney dollar when the smart play for them would have been to partner. The smart play for them, the smart play for Paramount and Viacom specifically would have been to partner with Netflix and say, hey, we will crank out this stuff if you host it and cut us a check for it. Netflix would have jumped at that because, hey, that's less money that we have to spend on actually making the stuff. And these corporations like Viacom and Warner Brothers should have jumped in it because, hey, that's less money that we have to spend hosting it. Cut your cost, you achieve the same objective, and you make more money in the long run. The play was right there for you to make, but you got greedy. Yeah. Warner Brothers got so greedy that they effectively killed Warner Brothers Studios. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Yeah. Like they, they got so greedy that they effectively killed Warner Brothers Studios. But hey, at least you put out the Snyder Cut. <laughs> a movie that nobody wanted. Except for like hardcore Snyder fans. The worst thing is is um I appreciated that movie. But I can't talk about it because I don't want to attract an actual Zack. I'm not a Zack Snyder fan, he's a moron. But um, I will always respect when someone has a singular vision with no feedback, no editor, no one else is in the writer's room, just one person just writing on the walls in blood and just going. That's a Snyder cut. It is a fascinating, is a fascinating artistic journey. Just one singular man's artistic journey. Just one guy. Amazing. Yeah. I respect it. I I finally, after years, sat down and watched the Snyder Cut. I still didn't like it. It's not good. I understand now why people like it, because it is cohesive. Right. The Justice League movie that Warner Brothers put out, again, because of corporate greed, that's that's the theme of today. The theme of today is corporate greed. (laughs) Because of corporate greed, Warner Brothers, instead of giving Zack Snyder the time to mourn a tragedy, say, hey, we can put this movie on hold. I know we've done some stuff. Let's, instead of trying to rush this out the door... Let's let's take a break, reassess, and come back later. The greed kicked in and said, we got to do this now. Yes. 
So they did it now, and you have the Justice League movie, which is two directors competing visions of the Justice League. Zack Snyder's vision of the Justice League is Watchmen. Yeah. Again, he looked at the watch. If you read Watchmen and you understand Watchmen, Watchmen is not the moral of Watchmen. Isn't that Ozymandias was right? The moral of Watchmen is this is what happens if heroes are real people. Yeah. We don't want our heroes to be people. We want our heroes to be better. We don't want Homelander. We want Superman. The reason why Homelander as a character works is because in the back of your mind, you're always comparing him to Superman, to the ideal that he could be instead of the petulant man-child that he is. He is a fascinating character, but that you don't want that to be your hero. Right. You don't want Omni-Man to be your hero. You don't want Injustice Superman to be your Superman. You are fascinated with Injustice Superman because you are fascinated with the concept of a Superman that just says, F it, I will do it myself, and just kills everybody and takes over the planet. That is a fascinating concept to you. But you don't want that to be your Superman. You want the Superman that, as he is dying of radiation poisoning, sees a teenage girl about to throw herself off a skyscraper and sits with her until she's ready to come down herself. That's the Superman you want. Zack Snyder saw all of that and said, the Superman from All-Star Superman is not relatable. I need to make him... I need to make Superman relatable. And to do that, I will take inspiration from Watchmen to do it. You can see Watchmen throughout all of the Snyder Cut, all of the the motifs and themes in his Justice League and his, his run at DC. It all comes down to, we should not give heroes power. This is what heroes do with power. You can't trust them, right? Like even the the climactic hopeful moment of Man of Steel is he kills Zod amidst all that destruction and you're like yeah you saved the 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 point of man of steel is you saved the day but at what cost yes the point of batman versus superman is again you saved the day but at what cost Mm -hmm. that's not a good superman story that's also not a good hero story because like well what's the point of saving the day if all it's gonna do is just keep costing and costing and costing and costing right like there's a way to tell these stories about heroes with unchecked power and how the citizen would feel about that. Like, if that's the vibe he was going for, uh, Dwayne McDuffie, rest in peace, did a much better job of that with his run on Justice League, just the Justice League animated show, where it starts off as just typical Justice League adventure. Here's all these cool superheroes. You love them. They're fighting this nebulous thing. It's cool. And then season, the second season of Justice League Unlimited, it's basically, okay, so how would actual people react to an organization of the world's most powerful beings with a space station above earth and a laser weapon. What would they actually think about that? And Amanda Waller, when she tells Batman, Hey, look at it from our perspective. You're a collective of the single most powerful beings in the universe with a gun pointed down in an alternate universe. Five of you took over the planet in one hour. (laughs) Yep. To the point where Batman looked, Batman didn't even bother doing his stealth high by. He just walked out the front door like, damn, she got a point. 
can't even argue that shit. She... That's the best part about Amanda Waller. Ethically ambiguous, but not wrong. You a well-written Amanda Waller, you understand exactly where she's mm-hmm. coming from. Yeah, there's no it's very clear where she's coming from. Uh that is one thing Viola Davis get, like, oh gosh, she's such a great actress. It's Listen, there, there are two people who saved that fucking movie. Yes. That was Will Smith. Yes. Actually, three. Margot Robbie, Will Smith, and Viola Davis saved that fucking movie. If you remove Jared Leto from that movie in its entirely entirety and restructure that one villain who was the one guy who was on Gotham Fire. Yeah. It's uh, a great movie if you do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they, they, they got it right the next one. The other the other yeah, Suicide Squad, which, they got it right. Had less of a metal. Which because Will Smith would have actually fit in the new one. Will Smith would have fit in the new one. You can swap out Will Smith and Idris Elba and have the exact same movie. Hey guys, still keep me to see it because I love Idris Elba. And I was like, I'm like, I'm like, they can't replace Will Smith. I'll be unhappy with anybody they replace him with. And then they put Idris Elba. And I'm like, well, you got me. Like, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I, 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 and like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of skinny Amanda Waller, but I saw Viola Davis. I was like, okay, I'm yeah, listening. Yeah, I'm a fan of Viola Davis, Amanda Waller, and however Viola Davis shows up dressed like Amanda Waller, yes. like whatever she does, she doesn't need yes. the costume. She can show up. However, she pulls up is how we're doing the character. Is how she's doing it. It's how it's, it's how we're it's how we're doing it today on set. So I agree with you. And wrapping this back all back up to Redfall. <laughs> The story that worked was when they let James Gunn tell his story and they weren't chasing corporate greed. They could have easily told him, make this Guardians of the Galaxy. And you can see some of the tinges of that there because that's just his artistic styling, but he told a Suicide Squad story. He didn't tell a Guardian story. Yeah. And it worked. It's not hard, guys. Greed in the end will cost you more than just staying true to the art. But in, AI. In America's defense. Sorry. In, <laughs> I just killed Justin. <laughs> in America's defense, have we ever received the right message from any of the things we take? And this is one of now that we have old enough to see multiple generations of Americans grow and develop. Have we ever received the right message? From any of this shit. Like, we have politicians who took all the wrong messages from, like, G.I. Joe, for example. Running the country off the, the, the wise teachings of Roadblock and Flint. Xenophobic as hell. Absolutely <laughs> short-sighted. No idea how American military anything is supposed to work. We don't know. We've taken the wrong messages from Not all the, not all the, um, uh, not, not anything else. Just the worst messages throughout entertainment history have been retained by the children and translated into adulthood to make them the worst adults. I think it might be the, I think it might be the people. They might be Fox generation. looked at a generation looked at Rambo and instead of looking at Rambo as a tale of the horrors of war and what the horrors of war can do to one man, they said, my God, look how manly he is. The first Rambo movie he was meant he was unhomed mentally unstable living in the forest people died trying to get him out that's not a tale of triumph and the second one he was just shooting people I was like how did we get the second one out of this cautionary tale that even stallone is like 
It's about the horrors of war. And then they gave him a lot of money to make it not about the horrors of war. And he said, sure, because he's a young man who wanted money. Yes. They look at RoboCop, which is a staunch repudiation of authoritarianism and the dangers of AI and institutionalism and said, hey, we want more of that. You're not supposed to root for RoboCop. That's the point of RoboCop. And that is literally the, the entire point. That of is the problem. I don't un- like, I am so confused when people are like rooting for RoboCop, and I'm like, excuse me, isn't it? Bad guy, dude. By the way, this was the major problem. Did you guys see the remake they did about maybe six, seven years? I don't know. Time is time is a wibbly wobbly yes. little ball. Yes. But did you no, see I it did. right? But I did, did. You know, I, but did you see that they were trying to struggle with the fact they were trying to turn him, make him a little bit self-aware while he was terrible. I was like, they should have just made him be a heel the whole movie. That's it. That's Robocop. He should be a heel and be slightly aware that he has not as much control over his body as they told him he did. Cause he's a fucking cop. He's a ro- <laughs> He's a fucking tool of the establishment. He's the spear. He's the tip of the spear now. But they, uh, they, it was, they didn't pull the trick. They didn't pull the trigger on it like they should have gone. The 80s are littered with movies warning about the future. And the generation that grew up on those movies, instead of seeing the warning label, saw a how to manual. They're like, this is really cool. Why don't we do this? Yeah. Again, Watchmen, a comic that came out in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. That is a warning label. Yeah. And now we have Injustice. Who wrote? Okay, but I need you to understand that people think Rorschach is a hero. Right. Like, like people genuinely think Rorschach is a is a good character. He I don't understand how you can read or watch. Well, no, if you watch it, I get how you think he's a good person because Zack Snyder thinks he's a good person. If yeah, you... so like I watched Watchmen before I read the comic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, so, it's a so trip, isn't it? I, so I watched the movie and I was like, okay, Rorschach is like the, the, the canary in the coal mine. Cause that that's how Zack Snyder shows what Rorschach is. He shows Rorschach as the canary in the coal mine. Then I read the 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 comic. Mm-mm. He was not that. The and there's there's like two major. Well, there's like three different major differences between the the graphic novel and the movie. Otherwise, it's like a, a pretty much frame for frame. Right. Which is wild. So like because that's that's what Zack Snyder does. Three hundred is a frame for frame remake of the comic. Watchmen is a frame for frame remake of like, the book. Like 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 right down. I was just like the music is also like like they the music is pulled directly from the book because they ha- put the lyrics to the songs in the book. Like like the music wasn't a creative choice by Zack Snyder. No. It was in the comic. No. <laughs> um. So the 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 three things was um. The portrayal of the comedian, like he's still a terrible person, but how people remember the comedian is different from how people remember the comedian in the comic. Yes. Like people put it because like it shows like him as like a terrible person, but like it doesn't. And it shows like, you know, he like was very selfish and like he raped the person's um, mother. But like 
it doesn't show how much of a fucking terrible person he is. Like the comedian is awful. Like people yes. should not be reminiscing. Like there, there are people like legit reminiscing and then treating um uh homegirl, I cannot remember her name. Like she's out of her fucking mind for thinking he's like the worst person in the world. <laughs> because Zack Snyder thinks that she's out of her mind for thinking he's the worst. Right. I'm I'm just like, he literally raped her mother. <laughs> um in public. <laughs> um uh, and then, uh, yeah, so it's it's uh, the portrayal of Rorschach, the comedian, and then the ending. I actually don't hate how he changed the ending, to be honest. Uh, because the ending in the comic is weird. <laughs> yeah, it is squid the, monster. It is the Instead worst. Instead of nuking New York, it's a squid monster. Yeah, yeah, it like is the worst everything thing. in the gra- everything in the in the graphic novel makes absolute complete sense until you get to interdimensional squid monster yeah i was like your lovecraft is showing i need it to not like it, it's like it's like this very serious heavy commentary and then lovecraft it's also worth noting <laughs> so i didn't hate what Zack Snyder did with the ending i'm like okay it's still weird, but I get what you did here. <laughs> it's also worth noting, Alan Moore, the writer of um, Watchmen, hates every adaptation of his work, with two exceptions. The first exception is because he wrote, um, what do you get the man who has, or for the man who has everything, it's a story about Superman's birthday. And Dwayne McDuffie did a retelling of that for the Justice League cartoon. And Alan Moore came out publicly and said, this is the first adaptation of my work that I actually like. (laughs) And for the man who has everything is like one of the best episodes of television put out. Like it's just a really, it's a really compelling story about Superman and what makes Superman Superman. It's really cool. The other thing that he has come out publicly to say that he likes is Regina King's Watchmen. No! Because the show Watchmen captures the spirit of what he was trying to do better than the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. He just hates, he hates HBO and like the Warner Brothers. Like there's a whole beef with why he hates the corporation that owns the licenses to his properties. But yeah. he likes the show Watchmen. I mean, it, I mean that we- should tell you everything you need to know about Watchmen. I mean, I mean that that show is one of the greatest superhero shows of all time. I think it still might be my favorite one. I think it's my favorite superhero show of all time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I showed my dad the first episode because he was thinking it was just like straight up sequel to Watchmen, and I said, "You need to watch this." Have I ever steered you wrong with television? He said, "Fine, I'll watch the first episode." He got to the end of the first episode. He said, I can't watch this. This is probably the gr- one of the greatest shows ever made. I can't watch this because I know exactly where this is going. And I lived through this. So I can't watch it. That Watchmen TV show is by far like one of the greatest things ever made. Yep. It's so good. Did they get any, did they get any awards for that? Uh, I 
think Regina King won an, won an, won an award for that program. I she should have. I believe so. I'm going to look it up, but I believe so. Uh, but yeah, you can continue. Yeah. Now, the the, the twist in why... Oh, God. Yeah, she, won, she won a prime time. She won a prime time Emmy for her, by the way. Excellent. Um, you also can't really talk about it without spoiling the three twists in it. It's fine. We're 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 grown. Well, we're grown, but if someone hasn't seen it, because again, HBO put the no, this was before streaming. This was pre-streaming. So this was when we were all sitting around when HBO would come on. Uh, no, like you could stream it because I streamed it. Well, you can stream it now. What I'm saying it was before HBO put everything behind the paywall. Oh. Wait, no, because yeah, I, I specifically did stream it. Yeah, like you can stream it, but um it was it was before they made like HBO Max and all of that, I think. Cause I do remember like, oh it, is it time for Watchmen? Like it was like insecure. Is it time to has it hit Hulu yet? Has it hit is it time? Can we all watch it as a family? I do remember that because Watchmen was one of like the last shows that people live tweeted. That's another thing streaming killed. Streaming killed live tweeting shows because you can just watch it at your time. We don't watch shows as a family anymore. Shonda Rhimes ho- owes her entire career to live tweeting because we're all live tweeting scandal. <laughs> Not yeah, Grey's Anatomy, which, you know, I'll entertain arguments of if that's a better show than Scandal or not. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy. But all of this live tweeting scandal sort of put Shonda on the map. Because she had Grey's Anatomy, and Grey's Anatomy was killing it. It wasn't until Scandal that it became like Shondaland. So, um, mini Scandal rant. Scandal was better as a show when Olivia was the villain. Hmm. There's There's a stretch in season two where she's doing all this morally ambiguous shit, and the implication is she is doing these things like rigging elections and silencing political enemies because she believes that she's doing what's best for the country. And I'm like, oh, this is incredibly dark and an interesting character study on what it takes to keep a republic together. I'm interested to see where this narrative thread goes. But then they changed it from that to, oh, no, she did it because she's in love with the president and doesn't want to see him fail. And I'm like, well, that's not interesting. I liked it better when you were basically Amanda Waller doing whatever it took to keep democracy together because you can't trust people because people are people. That is far more interesting than the man I'm in love with is sad. So I'm going to rig an election because he's sad. Not I'm going to rig an election because he's sad. I didn't get... I didn't get to watch Scandal. The only the only show that I the only like really messy show that I was watching that had Viola Davis in was uh, How to Get Away with Murder, that which incredibly. I think I got through six or seven seasons. Yeah, that that show is a train wreck, but it's a train wreck that you can't look away from. It's also tra- like it feels like it's a train wreck by design. No, it absolutely is. It's intentionally a train wreck. Like, there is no part of that train wreck that is unintentional. Um, like, I think my, like, but I, I can't remember at one point I realized that the show is about how everybody around her is a murderer, but she's the only one who's not murdering, but everybody thinks she's a murderer. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was like, this is both funny and some interesting commentary. And then they had the crossover scandal. Like that was a And then they episode. Oh yeah, I remember the crossover the 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 crossover episode with Scandal and that was amazing and hilarious. Uh that show was a mess. I I miss messy shows like that, but that one also that one was also a live tweeting one. Yeah. And corporate greed took it all away from us. Corporate greed. Corporate greed took it all away. Um, I wish I had a nice, neat segue from corporate greed to Blizzard. I mean, I you just did. I mean, yeah, you're right. Corporate greed, and you can pause, and then you can say Blizzard, and we'll all get it perfectly done, nicely done, very smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Nice segue. That was that was that was immaculate. Right. Yeah. I, I. So what now the what is it Blizzard's former CEO is is talking and doing the whole yeah it was just so bad I I didn't know it had gotten that bad it's like oh yeah really yes even though like he's like listed in some of it and was there for some of it like there's records of him being there and like doing stuff oh yeah and as we actually so <laughs> roll it backwards a little bit um in the thing that we all know, whenever Blizzard is in hot water or is about to do hot water or something's about to hit the press, they uh, do something to try and make themselves look good. Now, at this point, it's one been seven years and it do- just doesn't look good. And we, we all know, we know their MMO. Like, if you, have an, if you have an MO, like, the thing you're doing no longer works. Um... Because we can easily see. Um, and this isn't like conspiracy level deflecting. This is just what they do. Like they they they, they do this. So um, for Pride Month, they decided to announce two of their characters are gay. It's specifically Farah and Baptiste. Baptiste, I guess, is bi. Farah is lesbian. And from my understanding, they just, the writing on it's really bad like really bad like it just they just ham-fisted it in there like she just says i'm a lesbian (laughs) oh my god there's not like any great thing about it like it's and so um of course they also had to do this with two of the most controversial characters that they had whereas like one we're gonna put like baptiste on talon and then in you know in response to baptiste being on talon because why would a haitian be Haitian revolutionary, uh, what someone who's named for a Haitian revolutionary and from Haiti, uh, be in Talon, the cartoon villain terrorist organization. They then had to write this elaborate story on why he's ex-Talon, but he's still part of Talon, like in the roster. Please explain. <laughs> Please questions. Um, and then Farah, who, you know, they had just given her the, the Thunderbird skin because reasons. Why not? It was a cool, and then was had a, to, was a cool looking skin. Ignorant as hell. But. It's a great looking skin that was actually done with permission from the tribe, etc. But it was just like the artwork was like designed in, from what I understand, like with cooperation of the tribe that it's representing. But... They threw it on a non-indigenous character just because. 
and uh, had to like go back and retcon it so that, you know, she's actually part indigenous. She's half indig uh, Canadian indigenous and half Egyptian, but serving in the Egyptian military. Um, yes, let's make it make sense. Uh, so yes, we, not definitely, definitely understand that it's it's from, you know, the two, two uh, very uh, controversial characters. Um, so that was funny. But it turns out that the sexual harassment and all the issues at Blizzard that they have been going are at an all-time high, record highs. It's gotten worse. <laughs> Nikola Jokic numbers. Uh, for the people who don't understand what that means. The, the, they are putting up a record number of harassment cases. It, it's... I mean, you, like you said, you know what's coming. They announced someone was gay. So it's like, okay, what, what, what's going on at Blizzard now? Who are we, we all mistreating? Who's coming out with the lawsuit? Um, I, I believe the report said there were 29 documented incidents of harassment after the CEO said, we had no systemic issues of harassment and abuse. And you know what? I actually believe him. I do not believe that there was a systemic issue of harassment and abuse. Because the issue isn't systemic. The issue is... I don't want to say this. Systemic implies that it is the corporate culture to do these things. I do not believe it is the corporate culture to do these things. I believe it is the corporate culture to allow these things to happen. Yep. Right? Because they just don't care. They do, not, they do not see their employees as people. They see them as tools and means to an end. So if you abuse them, who cares? If you slap your hammer, what does the hammer care? That is the, that is, when you read these reports, that's, the, that's the, the sense you get from Blizzard. They don't care. This mistreatment happens because they don't give a, f they just don't, they don't care. Like, I, police is institutionalized abuse and i'm not talking about the abuse that they uh deliver to the community if you you should the next time one of these police shootings happens there's always an ia investigation and those records are made public after a while you should really read through some of them they treat they treat us as badly as they treat themselves oh yeah no it's listen like they like they they do not treat each other well yeah the, like the, at all like at all they will shield themselves from public scrutiny but they will also rob and steal from each other too they will shoot their colleagues oh and have shot their colleagues oh yeah yeah they they will they will literally backstab and like shoot their colleagues in the back like that that is a thing that actually happens they will they will also plant evidence to get their colleagues in trouble they or lose evidence to get their colleagues in trouble or lose evidence to get their colleagues in trouble everything they do to us they do to the people that they work with yeah so but yeah no th th this from from bobby's perspective it's not an institutional issue because we're not mandating that these things are happening we just allow them to happen on our watch it's totally different it's totally different the person being harassed says, 
That's a distinction without a difference. I don't care. Make it stop, please. Yeah, basically. And uh, Blizzard's response is, hey, by the way, Farrah's gay. She's a lesbian. <laughs> lesbian. Just hang. But did you know she's a lesbian? Up. Oh, can't say anything about us for a month. We got a gay person. Hey, we're gay. Oh, yeah. They also, it was great because they, they came out with like a really like for for Pride Month, they came out with like, you know, their their T-shirt blizzard it's got like all the colors it's got the trans colors and i'm just like if this weren't blizzard i'd cop it <laughs> it's a cool looking shirt they can go fuck themselves yeah i mean and you know we're also they're also still like aggressively union busting and i mean like they're, they're just a terrible company um what what else what else what else we got about good old blizzard i mean i feel like we've covered I feel like we got we got Kodik. Um, we still I'm gonna take some uh, chunks from the un um, the episode we didn't put out and put out there. So there's a big chunk about Blizzard in this episode, um, one way or the other. So I think we've covered all the Blizzard, and um, I believe we let's see what else we have here. Ooh! Ooh! Well, ooh, it's more than just harassment. Sorry, I just I I, I was reading through the the IGN article that you had posted. It's mm. like it's literally. 114 reports of harassment, discrimination, God. and retaliation. God damn. A hundred and... Yeah, that's... I thought it was 29. I didn't know it was up to 114. No, no. 114 reports of harassment, discrimination, or retaliation filed by employees last year out of t- those incidents and investigators substantiated 29 of them, some of which involved multiple employees. Um. The report was published publicly at the request of stockholders and comes after Kotick claimed in an interview with Variety that Activision Blizzard never had any issues regarding <laughs> rampant abuse or harassment towards female employees, despite numerous reports saying otherwise in the last two years. Reports that he deemed, quote, mischaracterizations, unquote. And this is from the IGN. So it's not just harassment either, guys. Not just harassment. <laughs> we also have retaliation. I, I knew about the discrimination. I'm sorry. I wasn't like trying to override that. I was specifically like, look at the retaliation. Yeah, no, that's wild. It sounds about right. It well and truly sounds about right. Hmm. And the- well, apparently the transparency report came after multiple lawsuits were filed s- since July 2021. Well. Including one from the California Department Fair Employment and Housing over allegation- allegations of sexual harassment and craft boy culture. Which yeah. is why several senior developers got fired. I wonder why Variety... And this is the 20... 20- I wonder why Variety... 2021 report. Why did Variety... Why did Variety speak to Bobby Kotick at all? Variety, oh, you don't know, Variety makes questionable decisions all the time. I know, but this is like, there's no way this can work out well at all, out of all the questionable decisions that they make. And it's like, for Bobby Cody, (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, God, for Bobby Cody. I feel like he paid for it. It's even better because, it's even better because apparently the Wall Street Journal had also like, after the after the um, report, 
you know, there was a report that uh, Bobby Kodak, the C- as the CEO, had knowledge of the harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Wall Street Journal had pu- published a report that, like, was stating about, like, in detail about how the how the CEO knew about it, but that included, you know, a voicemail where he threatened to have his assistant killed. I'm sure everybody believes Bobby Kotick at this point. Right. That's why I just, I, like, the sit-down interview was a, a bold choice. Good on Variety. Well, well, what is Variety here for if not to rehabilitate the image of disgraced CEOs? Right. But, how do I put it? Bobby Kotick has no upside and no value at all. You know what I mean? Like, there, it... He is he is a um he is a legitimate stain on the shirt of life in such a way that there is no benefit like this this worked out perfectly then who is Bobby Kotick what is Bobby Kotick returned to he was the he was the brain dead CEO of a company that released brain dead products it's not like there was any creativity there or any cultural value or any cultural cachet he's not even he's famous for being terrible he's not the mastermind behind anything good ever that's what i'm wondering i'm like usually like even if it's somebody troubled like i expect ezra miller to be sat down but variety's gonna sit down with ezra miller once the flash movie is released on streaming and then they're gonna explain then they're gonna explain but ezra miller actually has talent and is interesting i mean a fucking menace a legitimate mad max style menace but interesting enough to for variety to be like Let's dig him up and see what. Well, let's dig them up and see what we can do. Fascinating choice, or Bobby Kotick. Fascinating, just. Um, but yeah, I'm just. I'm always taken aback by that. But yes, 114 um, reports or lawsuits. Bacon. 119 uh, allegations, and the investigator substantiated 29 of them. Okay. And I, those aren't independent investigators, by the way. You said those aren't? Don't read the comments. Don't read the comments in IGM, by the way. Oh, I love reading those comments. Those are great. Those are, this is how I, this is how I truly, I think, I think we, we got to where we are by not reading enough comments and not realizing how many people had not comprehended the valuable lessons of, um, of our, uh, childhood art and, stories and movies comics did not retain this information you can see it in the commenters not retaining important information i mean we're seeing it now we had the uh, during the pandemic we had the big uprising black people stating their case explaining what's wrong the eyes of the nation are upon us and uh look where we are now you know uh, america has um tripled down on its racism actively they have responded by being more racist than they would be 10 years ago because black people <laughs> put their foot down and uh, got the nation's attention for a six month period. Yeah. Yeah. Actually there, there's a lot of, there's been a, it's a pretty substantial report where um, once white people found out that it was, um, it was uh, marginalized folks who were the, most affected by it they stopped caring about covid mm-hmm. I, I will i will never forget i read that in the washington post 
where once it started coming out, it was like the third week. And they interviewed this person and they said, well, you know, things can start getting back to normal. It doesn't really affect the rest of us so we can get back to our lives. Yes. It was wild to watch this happen and no one admit why it was happening. Yep. So, you know, yeah, we just, America doesn't, we, um, Americans do not, well, white ones, don't retain um, the important messages from the things they are told. We would say that generationally they don't listen. So... That's why you gotta um teleport in the giant squid, shake it up, shake that, rattle that cage a little bit, shake the table. Just saying. except we already found out that if there's like an event where all of the world is in danger, oh yeah, you absolutely, just don't care. oh absolutely. Um, the only way it would work is if um the things that weren't human were actively like the presence of something bigger than us does not move us. It would have to act like think like the um Turian War that kicked off like Mass Effect that kicked off like the first like the very first uh, interaction with aliens in like the Mass Effect universe. Like if the aliens were shooting at us, then maybe possibly sort of the percentages would go up that we would write the ship a little bit. Other than that, no, we um we 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 don't we don't listen, we don't retain information. We still got people like I'm in Texas. We got people back to coughing and sniffling in public places. <laughs> We're back, baby. We're good. I'm no. That's right. That might be the moral of the story. I think that might be how we call it. That might be how we leave everybody. I think that's it. I'm gonna, that's it. We're gonna do it. Americans don't listen. Well, certain Americans. Don't listen. Take the wrong lessons from literally everything. Everything, and we have no ch- and because there's no hi- there's no recorded history of them retaining the right inf- right lessons. Um, we don't know if this is ever going to get any better. So I guess, um, good luck to us. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to us. Go ahead, stand your plan.